on Sunday as the offense pulls another copper field and vanishes, but they do end up winning the weekend series. We'll recap all of the action against the Reds. Frustration with an inconsistent offense is growing. Huge week and road trip coming up against playoff contenders. All of it coming up on today's episode of Locked on Cardinals. You are locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinal fans. I'm J.D. Haffern. I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou, lifetime Cardinals fan, and I am your host for Locked on Cardinals, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. Follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, also on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe and comment so you can interact with us. The likes, the subscriptions, very, very important, especially the likes. It helps grow the channel, get our content out to people who are Cardinal fans just like me and you. And uh, that way we can all come together on YouTube and discuss what's going on with the Cardinals because this is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. So the Cardinals had another long and exhausting weekend playing four games in three days. So let's go back and do a quick recap of things that happened. Now, the whole series against Cincinnati was actually a five-game and four-day series to wrap up their season against the Reds. And uh, that began on Thursday night. They lost 3-2 to two with hardly a whimper of offense until the ninth inning. It, it wasn't pretty. Uh, Friday, you had Jack Flaherty on the mound, and he gets a little wild in the third inning, which leads to a run. But overall, things were fine for Jack until the fifth inning with the score one-to-one. A couple of singles to lead off the inning. You get another hit by pitch, his second of the game. Bloop double, then into left field, scores two, makes it three to one. You're, you're behind again. You get that absolutely sick fielding play, though, by Nolan Arenado with third base where he dives to his right, and from his knees, he guns down uh, Kyle Farmer at the plate as he tried to score from third base. Just a brilliant play. You, you see these things Arenado does day in and day out at third base, and you're just in awe of how good he is. And then you see him make little silly plays, like where he, you know, the throw gets away from him and stuff. You're like, wait, what? How did how did that just happen? But for the most part, he's insane. Like the best fielding third baseman in baseball. So he saves a run on that play, but the next guy is Aristides Aquino, and he singles, scoring another run. That makes it four to one, and the start goes from solid for Flaherty to kind of fugly real quick. He goes just five innings. He allows four runs, six hits, two walks, two hit by pitch, five strikeouts. And it's the same thing over and over and over with Flaherty. When he throws strikes, pretty darn good. He's tough to hit. He's got great stuff. When he gets out of whack and loses the accuracy, things go south pretty quickly. Uh, cards answer in the bottom of the sixth inning, though, with the meat of the order up. Uh, Goldie doubles are not of singles. That makes it four to two. Dickerson flies out. and. That brings in Albert, and I'll be very transparent here, okay? I'm not going to lie to you. I can't watch every single Cardinals game. There are other things going on in my life that I have to go do, especially on the weekends, and Friday night, I had to work a high school football game. I was doing color commentary for a, a Friday night football game. I'm on my way home, grabbed a few slices of pizza, and I just sat down in front of the TV when Albert was coming up, so my timing was impeccable, which isn't normal for me. I'm normally late for everything and I suck timing wise, but impeccable here because Albert comes up and 
just he gets a hanging slider and he annihilates it. I can't think of a better word to describe how that ball was hit. Just annihilates it. 427 feet just to the right of Big Mac land to tie the game up at four. His 698th blast of his career, 19th of the season, a no-doubter. A no-doubter off the bat of Albert Pujols as uh, he got to watch it in all its glory uh, sail off into the night sky. Fifth home run on a first pitch this season and another special moment for the fans at Bush Stadium. Top of seven, the Reds get a solo dinger from Kyle Farmer off of JoJo Romero to retake the lead 5-4. Cardinals answer right back, though. Bottom half, Donovan gets a leadoff walk, which he's been so good at doing this year. And then you get an RBI double by Goldschmidt, makes it 5-5. Not to be outdone, though, Nolan Arenado then follows suit, doubles in Goldie on a bloop double into left field. You saw Friedel, the left fielder, come charging and he dives and you thought he was going to make the play just like he did on Thursday, but it didn't happen this time around. Ends up being a double for Nolan, his 40th double of the year, which, by the way, third in the National League, fourth in all of baseball in doubles. Uh, Helsley comes in in the ninth, and he throws what we call the immaculate inning. Not everybody's going to be familiar with that term. You've got to be a serious baseball nerd to know what I'm talking about, but it's where you throw nine consecutive strikes and you get three strikeouts to end it. That's what Helsley did. Only the third time in franchise history that someone has done that. Bob Gibson did it in 1969, Jason Isringhausen in 2002. So it's a pretty rare feat. I do it on my MLB The Show game all the time. Way easier on the video game to do it. Real life, it's quite difficult. Uh, Chris Stratton, damn glad to meet you, gets his ninth win. Helsley, the 18th save of the year. Tyler O'Neill, though, suffers a hamstring strain when he stole second base. He had to be placed on the 10-day injured list. Uh, Katie Wu from The Athletic reports that it's a grade one strain, a different spot from his strain that he suffered in June, but initial tests show everything to be structurally right, and the hope is he'll return before the end of the regular season. But it's been a bummer of a year for Tyler. The injuries have continuously popped up. It seems like every like third week something happens to him, and it's, it's derailed his overall year. And I know a lot of fans get frustrated with O'Neal. I, I, you know, I like him a lot. Okay, he's one of my favorites. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Tyler O'Neill and the things that he can do. I've been a huge proponent of him. But you look at the numbers, and I can see why people are upset. And I, you know, I don't like everything that he's done. I mean, look at his batting average: 286 last year, 228 this year. He strikes out a bunch. We know that. Power numbers, they're down some. Only 14 home runs and 383 plate appearance where, appearances where uh, last year he had 34 home runs and 537 plate appearances. So uh, power's down a little bit. He did have 14 stolen bases, which is a tick up from last year when he finished with 15. But the injury certainly didn't help him stay consistent at the plate, and, and it showed. Uh, the team did have to activate Dylan Carlson from the IL after he hit two doubles and three at-bats at his lone rehab start with Memphis on Friday. They also added Dakota Hudson as their 29th player for the doubleheader on Saturday. So what we're going to do is we'll recap what was a solid Saturday for the team. Okay, not much to, to complain about on Saturday. We'll do that next here on Locked on Cardinals. But first, I would like to talk to you guys about our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net. You know about it. Number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. BetOnline, also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports. They've got scores. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, 
MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today, or you can use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Week two of the NFL season was nuts yesterday. I mean, especially those early games. Okay, the early games were kind of boring for a while. Like, not all that exciting. Like, the first halves in those games were kind of meh. You had, like, shutouts going on, just nothing really all that exciting. And then all hell broke loose in the second half of these games, and the endings were wild. Uh, Baltimore blows their game against the Dolphins. You had the Browns blowing their game against the Jets. The Cardinals coming back on the Raiders. Uh, last night, my Packers took care of business, but it was a, a wild day in the NFL. And we got two more games tonight, which is cool. The Bills are 10-point favorites over the Titans and the Eagles. Two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Vikings. Personally, I am hoping for a terrible day for Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson, who I need to get shut down for fantasy purposes. But um, you can get all the info about these games and hopefully make some money by going to Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. Saturday, the boys played two, and I mentioned that O'Neal and Carlson, um, they made some moves there transaction-wise. O'Neal, the IL, Carlson gets activated. But also on Saturday, the Cardinals placed relief pitcher Jordan Hicks on the IL with arm fatigue and neck spasms. So the team ended up activating Steven Matz from the IL, and that's a big gun in the bullpen to be missing because his stuff's looked pretty filthy recently. Like, I've really liked what I've seen from Jordan Hicks. Yeah, I gave up the home run in Pittsburgh. I got that. But most of the time lately, he's been almost unhittable. So that sucks. Uh, game one, Dakota Hudson gets the start. Look fantastic. Nothing nothing bad to say about anything Dakota did. Um, and it was nice to see the team play with a lead early on for once because that hasn't happened a lot recently. They scored two in the second inning. You get a two-out single by Tommy Edmond to plate Molina. Albert then walks to load the bases. And Goldie then also walks, brings in a run, making it two to nothing. Bottom of three, they get after it again. Leadoff double by Carlson. You get a single by Donovan to right. And then the cards decide that they're going to test uh, Arcides Aquino's arm again in right field. He'd already thrown out two dudes at the plate. Not sure why we want to do this again, which is it's just not a good idea. The guy guns guys at the plate with regularity. leads all of baseball in that category. I think he's got 12 assists. I think I saw that. But he throws another dot to home plate here. But the ball gets away from the catcher during Carlson's slide. He's safe, makes it three to nothing. They get lucky on that one. Then Molina, Yadier Molina, September Yadi, gets ahead in the count three to one. It hits a four-seam fastball, gets it up in the zone and deposits it into the left field stance. That's his fifth dinger of the season, makes it five nothing. And that's all they would need. Hudson, he was on cruise control on this one. He goes eight innings, allows just one earned run that scores because of his air that he throws at first base. So he's got nobody to blame but himself on that one. He walks two, but he punches out five. Gets his eighth win of the season. And if you you can get that Dakota Hudson down the stretch here, that is a huge, huge addition for the push to the playoffs because after seeing what happened on Friday night with Flaherty, I'm not sold on what's going on with Jack yet. I don't know how great he's going to be for you uh, the rest of this month and into October. So I, I've seen Hudson look pretty darn good this year. I haven't seen Flaherty do anything all that dominant in any of his starts. So, um, Hudson was great, man. Good for you. Good for you, Dakota Hudson. You go down, you work on your craft in Memphis, you get called up, you throw great, and, and then they actually send him back down. But that, yeah, that's no big deal. Um, and as good as Hudson was in game one, game two starter, 
was even better. Night game, you got Jose Quintana on the hill, who's been everything the Cardinals hoped he would be since acquiring him from Pittsburgh. And he was on in this one. He allows just two hits over eight shutout innings, no walks, six strikeouts. Brilliant. Beautiful. Problem was, the Reds had their young fireballer, Hunter Green, back from injury, and he was feeling it. He was chewing up the Cardinals hitters and spitting them out left and right. Green strikes out 11 in just six shutout innings, and the Reds' bullpen continued the trend as neither team scores a run in the first 10 innings. That's not fun to watch, to be honest with you. Bottom of the 11, things get interesting. You know the play. Kisner starts at second as your ghost runner. Donovan walks. Edmund gets an infield single, and you've got the bases loaded. Nobody out for Goldie, who uh, had struck out four times already in this one. Told you, man, he's he's really struggling recently. Uh, he's down one, two in the count on this one, and he rips one down the third baseline, and the Reds have the five infielders in, so they got outfielder Nick Senzel in on the play, playing at the hot corner. He makes a nice diving play. Throws it to the plate to force out Kisner in a desperation move, but the ball hits Kisner's elbow and goes flying. Run scores, one nothing. Cardinals win in extra innings. Now, the Reds argued this one unsuccessfully that Kisner was running out of the baseline when he was hit by Sinzel's throw. Now, it's a judgment call by the umpire, and it's not a reviewable play. And he was definitely running on the grass infield area when he was chugging home and he appeared to be out of the baseline to me, but you know what? I'm not, I'm not making the calls. You know, I, I'm, I wasn't wearing uh the, the umpire uniform on Saturday. So he scores, uh, should it have been a run? Probably not, <laughs> but I'm not making the call cards get the win. In fact, Steven Matz gets the win after throwing a shutout inning in the 11th, his fifth of the season. This was the first one nothing extra inning win for the Cardinals since they beat the Rockies in 11 innings on October 2nd of 2010 and the first one to nothing extra inning win over the Reds since September 1st, 1976. And as great as that was, you got to look at the offense here. Another complete absence of offense from a team that has been struggling and it's getting a little bit disturbing to be honest. They managed just one hit after the fourth inning in this one. And they struck out 17 times. And things didn't get any better on Sunday at all. We're going to talk more about yesterday's dud next right here on Locked on Cardinals. So after sweeping the doubleheader on Saturday, that's the thing you got to remember, too. Even though it was a controversial end of that game on Saturday, one nothing, no offense. They still took two on Saturday. And that gave them a three-game winning streak as they go into Sunday. Uh, they're up in the series three games to one, and they had left-hander Jordan Montgomery on the mound, who has just one loss since joining the team, which was his last time out. And um, that's arguably been their best pitcher since he came over from the Yankees. So in this one, the Reds jump out to a lead on an RBI single in the third inning. They then tack on two more in the sixth inning when Stuart Fairchild, who, by the way, looks like he hasn't hit puberty yet, he just looks like a kid out there, man. I'm sure he hates it, too. He probably gets carted at every bar he goes to, and it drives him nuts. But he rips a fastball right down the middle over the wall in left center. Line shot, two-run dinger, makes it three to nothing, and that is all there was in this one. A complete snooze fest of a game that saw the Cardinals' offense manage just two hits. Montgomery loses his second in a row, but again, he gave up three runs, which is certainly a winnable amount against a team like the Reds. He struck out a season-high nine 
But when you don't score any runs, you're not going to win. That's plain and simple. So uh, Rob Rains at stlsportspage.com had a bunch of stats about the offensive woes. So here, let me just lay some of this stuff on you. Um, the game on Sunday, fewest hits in a game for the Cardinals since they were held to two hits on July 9th against the Phillies. They were shut out for the 14th time this season and the third time since the All-Star break. The Cardinals scored one run in their last 25 innings over three games in the series. Their only hits on Sunday were a single by Paul DeYoung in the third, which was an infield one that went off the shortstop's glove, and a single by Yachty in the seventh. They were 0 of 3 with a runner in scoring position and had only one runner reach second base after the fourth inning. In the five games against the Reds, the Cardinals were a combined 14 of 87 for a 161 average in the first five innings of those games, scoring a combined total of seven runs in the 25 innings. Five of those runs came in the first game of Saturday's doubleheader. On Sunday, they had one hit in 15 at-bats. And I've mentioned that the numbers of some of the guys who were struggling on Friday. But we've got some updates here. Corey Dickerson now three for his last 19. You remember it wasn't long ago that the dude rattled off 10 hits in a row. He's cooled a little bit. He's still hitting over 300 in September, but he's cooled a bit. Uh, Newbar, three for his last 38. Pujols had that huge blast on Friday, 0 for 13 otherwise in the series. In September, Nolan Arenado hitting 218, OPS down to 628. Goldie, 8 for 34. He's hitting 241 with two home runs and seven RBIs in 15 games in September. So the Triple Crown talk, kind of out the window now. Things like Freddie Freeman has gone off for the Dodgers. I believe he's got like a 10-point lead in the batting average, um, which is, you know, could he catch Schwarber in home runs? Possibly. But the batting average is the tough one, so he's going to have to get hot quick if he wants to get back into this thing. But uh, all that triple crown talk, that's all going to Aaron Judge in New York. He's just blasting everything in his path. In fact, the Cardinals should send a thank you letter, maybe some champagne over to, to Aaron Judge. He hit two home runs on Sunday to lead the Yankees to a win over the Brewers. Numbers 58 and 59 on the year. Crazy. Letting the Cardinals reduce their magic number to clinch the NL Central to eight. And um, the other problem here is that the team is going cold against guys who aren't good. You know, I mean, you're looking around at the schedule. Remember how we were like, wow, September schedule, the first half, pretty darn easy, right? Well, they, they've struggled a little bit against guys like the Nationals and the Pirates and the Reds. Um, that's the disturbing thing here that you're really kind of like scratching your head about. You're like, I mean, these guys aren't supposed to be very good pitchers. And uh, Ali even said as much in yesterday's post-game interview, said, if it was good pitching, we'd probably not sit here and question the offense. Like, you're not supposed to deliver a ton of runs against them. There's no real answer for it other than to get some rest on Monday and go right back at it. He continued with, I attribute this dry spell more to randomness. We look forward to this trip to the West Coast with our guys being energized and ready to go again. Let's hope so. Let's hope they can work through these struggles now. That way, at playoff time, they're, they're crushing it again because you can't go into the playoffs hitting the way these guys are doing it. You're not going to win. You're going to get bounced out pretty darn quick. Uh, as Ali mentioned there, and as I said before, the guys have the day off today but are heading out on a West Coast trip that Ali spoke of beginning uh, tomorrow for three against Juan Soto and the San Diego Padres. Still weird to say that, isn't it? Uh, so they'll have three against them. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then it's three against the first place Dodgers on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Then they get another day off on Monday. Then they got to play two in Milwaukee 
uh, and that will conclude uh, that road trip. So three cities, what is that, 10 games, six, seven, eight, eight games in 10 days. So, you know, the Cards could be facing the Padres in the playoffs. That's a possibility still, um, if and when they make it. I'm not saying that they're not going to make it, but uh, that could happen. Uh, Cardinals stay put where they are right now. Looking this, uh, you know, they'd be number three seed, presumed champions of the NL Central. And if the Padres finish as the number six seed, they're currently number five. That's uh, who the Cardinals will take on. So, possibility they could play each other. So, we decided that we're going to do a crossover episode about this series for tomorrow's show with Javier Reyes, the host of Locked on Padres. So uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the Juan Soto trade because, boy, was he excited <laughs> when when that trade went down. I was I was going back and forth with them on social media and they were so excited and he hasn't done much. Juan Soto hasn't done much at all since he got to San Diego. So uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, see how the, the chemistry of the team is going. And um, we'll get all the, uh, the 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 inside scoop, the backstory to everything San Diego Padres on the crossover episode for tomorrow. Um, if you guys do have any questions or comments that you want me to bring up to Javier, uh, be sure to leave them in the comments down below on YouTube, or you can tweet me, and we can bring them up with them uh, for tomorrow's show. Uh, once again, I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Locked On MLB Podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right. The sky's not falling, everybody. I don't want everybody to freak out and think I'm getting down on the team or anything. Cardinals got an eight-game lead. In the division, their magic number is eight. Pujols is at 698. We got 14 games to play here in the regular season. This is the home stretch. Let's just, I just want them to do better against crappier teams. Let's just be honest. And I think you do too, right? Like, shouldn't they be kicking the crap out of the Reds and the Pirates, people like that? Because now you got to face the Padres and the Dodgers and the Brewers. And who knows what's going to happen here? So hopefully they step their game up and can, uh, can play up to the level of their competition this time around on this road trip. As always, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. You are the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time right here on Locked on Cardinals.